Father, we now come to this part of the service and we want to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We want to be sensitive to what you're saying to us. Lord, if we ever felt a need to stay very close to you, it's now in this time that we live in. Lord, we need to hear from you. We need you to speak words of life to us. We want to have an open heart. We don't want anything to hinder. Lord, if there's something we would have said or did that would hinder you this morning, would you look through the blood, I pray. And Father, would you come and do the work that is needed in our lives? You said that in this hour there most wicked age the culmination of Satan's Eden you would bring forth a bride pure spotless if you would demand perfection Lord then you would give a means to achieve it that's not in humanity that's not in our religious works that's only in you it's only in the blood of Jesus so Lord wash us this morning cleanse us, put strength into us, for the journey is great, Lord, and we need to be in touch with our mate. Oh, Lord, would you come and sovereignly meet everyone? Lord, I only am a bystander to what the work of the Holy Spirit is doing, for you alone have the words of life. I pray, Lord, your anointing would rest upon us, the audience that is here and present and seen, but the audience that is also not present. Lord, circumvent all the barriers that Satan and man would put forth. And Lord, visit us, the eternal God. Lord, I pray that you would just take the full liberty this morning where everyone is seated, Lord, at home, whatever distraction, may it be put aside. May the Holy Ghost settle in our living rooms, our places, and even here now, Lord. I pray, take the full control. We loose the Holy Ghost this morning to do your work, Lord. Now we read the scripture, we ask your blessing, and we thank you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's just go directly to the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 17, if you will. will. 1 Kings chapter 17. We are going to 
take some thoughts that will maybe be in, at least in my mind, a follow-through of thoughts. We started since the New Year's, so I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at New Year's part three. Uh, if I'm still preaching New Year's part 25 in July or whatever it may be, forgive me, but, but we're, we're not going to do that, Lord willing, but we just want to take what the Holy Spirit lays on our heart and really the thought of the unseen has been very much on my heart. And we spoke the first service on the call to war, the trumpet call to war, and last week on the character of the virgin bride. And this morning I want to speak on the bride's stream of life. First Kings chapter 17. And sometimes in order to accentuate the positive, we start with the negative. So we're going to do it that way this morning. But in verse 1 it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. Now, there's not a lot of preamble to what's happening here. But Elijah was there, and he just came out, and the next thing you know, he's right in the face of the king, the leader of that day. As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew, nor rain these years, but according to my word. God uses that spirit again, and he's used it in this day. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. I believe the bride's drinking of the brook. Amen. I believe we've been drinking of it for a long time. But now here's the next part of this, verse 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Let's go to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, we're going to pick up the reading in verse 27. This is Jesus now on the road to Calvary, suffering in his body, but he is still a prophet. He is still the Messiah, and the gift is still working through him. And he's recognizing the part of the book that he is playing at this time and season, but he's also recognizing there will be a further part of this to come. So in verse 27, and there followed him great, a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning unto them and said, daughters of Jerusalem, Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. 
For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps that never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And he leaves that as a question. Also, if you will, just one verse in Revelation 16, verse 12. If you don't get to it, I'll just have you put it on the screen. And the sixth angel poured out his vial on the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And we referenced that scripture last week, and we'll just maybe loosely reference it. In Revelation 16, it's speaking here of a vial, a judgment, a plague, and this plague is poured out on the waters. Waters represent a life source. Waters represent uh, a means of life, of, 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 of a continual intake that's required to sustain life. They say you can sustain yourself by food, but you cannot sustain yourself without water. So the river of life here is the Euphrates, which is one of the four great rivers that was referenced from Genesis. But it's saying here this river is now dried up. In other words, that resource is not going to bring forth life anymore. And in fact, by the, the result of this resource drying up, it's going to affect the way of life that had been known as sustainable. It was going to allow other things to come in. The purity and the cleansing agent of the water would no longer be there. And now things would be able to cross over that riverbed that was dry, and it was going to mean that the kings of the east would cross over. And we took that last week as being the Babylonian religion that had crossed over into the church. Now, I'm just going to drop that there and leave it there. If I go back to Luke 23, and this is Jesus on the road to Calvary, and if we could recognize the moment, this was the creator that had been manifest the earth, and he was right now on a road to crucifixion. Because the political re leaders of that day had listened to the religious leaders of that day, who listened to the people of that day. And there was a pressure, there was a groundswell, there was a movement that began to put the religious leaders, their way of life was threatened by this tree of life. It was Jesus who would say, on the last great day of the feast, come unto me. And drink of me. There's a river of life springing out from me. But they didn't want that river. In fact, they wanted to carry on with their old river. And so they began to put him on this road. 
These women were bewailing the situation and the conditions were bad. And, and Jesus said, you think the conditions are bad now? He said, this is a green tree. Now, a, a tree that's green is a tree that shows it's healthy. It's got life in it. It's sustainable that you, the leaves are there and they're healthy and they provide shade. And, and within that tree, there's a sap that is flowing and there's a life that is going. It's a green tree. And he's saying, what's happening right now is a green tree. And he says, but there's coming a day when this tree will be dry. And this tree will be so dry and these are the conditions that will come forth at that time, these are characteristics. Women, which I'll, I'll come to, which are a method of reproducing life. And I'm saying it, I don't want to just leave it as an object. But a primary duty is to bring forth life, is to carry on life. It's a sacred place. And that, that place that would bring forth life in the last day, the conditions spiritually would be so bad, they would be so dry, it would even affect the woman's natural use of life, which the natural use of life was, they would say, blessed are the barren. In other words, it would be a reproach to have a child. Now, Brother Adam would refer to this in the message, Invisible Union. Neither does the church want to bring forth spiritual youngins to Christ. Neither do they want to bring forth these Acts 2.38 children unto God anymore. So he's referring to the natural types, the spiritual. And Brother Branham would often do the same thing. He said, you watch the condition of the church by the condition of the women. I'm trusting you all are believers, and I, I need you to feed on the Word this morning. I'm not going to spend time trying to explain it, but if you're believers, just say amen this morning. So he would say, blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear. And Brother Manum would talk how they would rather foster a dog or something else that wouldn't give them enough trouble. And, and he says, the paps which never gave suck. So the natural use that was there, the way of life, and you see it reflected how in the natural they've, they brought forth abortion, they brought forth pills that would stop things. They're, they're not allowing the free course of life, the this, this stream of life to bring forth that had been there naturally for so many years. But in the end time, they want to stop this up. And I will say, so does the enemy want to stop up true revival. That's where we took the message on, on, on Wednesday on leaving Babylon. And I, I thank Brother John for just singing that song at the end. I, it's meant so much to me. I've just been singing it through the week and, and really been reflecting on it. It has really been a part of me. But, but Babylon, the spirit of Babylon wants to quench revival, wants to stop up the life stream. The whole denominational system is to stop up the life stream. The Philistines, the wells that, that, that Abraham dug and that were prosperous in the days of Isaac, they stopped those wells up.
as the generations went forth. And I'll say, but the Spirit of God that's come in this last day, because we're not under a reformation any longer. We're under a restoration. This bride tree will be restored. She will be restored in her full beauty, in her full glory. The, the life of God will flow through her. And I say you need to keep that vision in front of you. So it was in this time it was referred to as a dry tree. And then Jesus would say, and when these things happen, verse 30, then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. Now I'm going to tell you, this is exactly where we're at. Because the minds of people can no longer find an escape for the things that are coming on the world. The onset of a tribulation is at hand. And in order for the people to get in the last day's uh, prophecy, they get in the last day's spirit first. And you see their minds are becoming corrupted. There is no place of release. There is no place of comfort. There is no place, and you see it more and more. Friends, we ourselves are being affected. But we have a place. We have a source. Now, you might not believe it, but it's happening right before our eyes. And, and prophecy, people's, people are changing. Now I'm going to go back to 1 Kings chapter 17, and that's where we started. And, you know, the setting before Elijah ever came on the scene, are, are you with me this morning? Okay, thank you. Before Elijah ever came on the scene, before God found it so necessary to bring a prophet out of the woods, so to speak, right to the doorstep of Ahab, something had to happen before that. And you can follow through and read the kings, and you can read a natural progression and deterioration, but I'll just pick up the last part of verse 16. If you turn to verse 25, and this is a king who was in, in Judah, and in verse 25, this was Omri. You, you can read successive parts of this through the Bible, and I won't do that today. But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did worse than all that were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who, and, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now, Omri was only, the Bible says, only a follow-up and progression for what Jeroboam had started. So Jeroboam had actually crossed a line that so vexed God that there was now a Instead of the kings being righteous, and in particular Judah being a righteous lineage, because there were promises attributed to Judah that were, that were sovereignly of God. 
And so instead of these kings raising naturally speaking, but because he'd crossed a line and he had brought forth uh, idolatry and caused Israel to go into idolatry, idolatry was one of the greatest sins because God was a jealous God. And so it took the natural lineage that would have happened of kings and righteous kings, and it began to deviate from that. And so now if we jump ahead a little bit, and, and I'm, I'm just going to keep moving quickly to verse 29. And, and Omri dies, and in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, oh, sorry, this is Israel. I'm sorry, I, I was referring to, to Asa, king of Judah, but this is now also Israel that I'm referring to, and I, I apologize. I there's another part to this I didn't reference. and So this is the king of Israel. And in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, began to reign Ahab, the son of Omri, over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and 2 years. Now, now look at the, the progression downward. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were evil that were before him. So this didn't just happen at once. In 1956, America as a nation turned down the gospel. And it set them on a downward path. But there was still a church that was standing in the breach. There was still a people that were standing in the breach. But in 1963, when the full word was born into manifestation, and when God came and mysteries that were hid, and a prophet would begin to declare things that were on his life as a result of that Elijah nature, that were against women, that were against different things, that he, and, he, and, and he began to preach serpent seed, and he began to preach different things, and against denomination. Now he began to declare... Now let them challenge me. Something had opened. Something that was real. Something that was positive. And when the church turned that down, when they refused to be pregnated with the word, the pure word of God, they turned down God, that's when the nation took a downward turn. Now, Watch what happens to Ahab. It came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. It became easier to just follow in the path. This is where the kings, this is where Solomon sat, this is where David was. But there was no more life of what they held in him. It was a form. Don't ever let that happen in this church. Let this church be the life of God. Let our, yet your home and your family be the life of God. Let it flow through you. Let's never let this be a form. And he would say it was a light thing. And he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. So once he was married, it became very easy for the woman that he was married to, or he attached himself, 
She became the figurehead behind the throne. She became the driving force. Her religion, the cruelty of her heart, began to manifest through a, a, what was to have been a lineage of godly kings. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which had been built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And Brother Branham would refer to, in the church ages, what started as a Nicolaitan spirit began to be a doctrine, began to, be, began to rather be the deeds of the Nicolaitans, began to be a doctrine, till finally church and state were thoroughly married again. That's where we're at in the world today. That's where you see everything headed to. Church and state, religious powers, demon powers, political powers, all coming together. That Euphrates River has dried up and allowed for all of these things to come across. Now, let me read one more verse. And in his days, as a result of that, things began to happen that was unconscionable. The fact that they voted in regulations that allow gay marriage. The things they voted in that allow and, and not only accept homosexuality, but it's becoming a law to speak against it. That it's coming right down to our schools and our teachings. That if you would teach your children otherwise, you're becoming subject to a fine for that. These are unconscionable. That it should happen in nations like ours. So while all of that happened, the Bible tells us this little verse 34. In his days, whose days? Ahab. Because he allowed a little bit of sin. And it, and it became a way of life to him. In his days did heal the Bethlehite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Ibrahim, his firstborn. And he set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Zegub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, if you want to just refer to that real quickly, Joshua chapter 10, or Joshua chapter 6, rather. The last words Joshua had after he destroyed Jericho were, Joshua adjured them at that time, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds the city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. When did that happen? In Ahab's time. Now the nation... The nation, and you can listen to messages that Brother Branham would take, that woman Jezebel. You can take different messages that he spoke regarding Jezebel religion. You can take different ones. And he referred to the time that existed when he, in 1963, it was in 1963, right at the time, God was opening things. 
the America elected a Catholic president. Now for the second time in history, there's a Catholic president in America again. Friends, it's no mistake where we're at right now. This is a dry tree. This is not a green tree anymore. This is just the same setting as it was in the scriptures before us. Now, Elijah is a type. It's a spirit that God used five times. There was Elijah, there was Elisha, there was John the Baptist, there was Malachi 4, and there's Revelations chapter 11. Now, Brother Brandon would pick up in, in, and we read this a little bit last week, but in pick up your pen and write, he said one night the Holy Spirit spoke to him, said pick up your pen and start writing. I like it because it's inscribed. It's there. And he would begin to speak about the law of reproduction in Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. And he said the, the law that was in the seed came forth into the plant. That law applies to the church today. Whatever seed starts the church will come forth and be like the original seed because it's the same seed. In this last day, the true church, Christ's seed, the true bride church, will come to a headstone. I, I, I think this is worthwhile keeping this in your Bible, keeping this reading somewhere close to you. It, as she comes to the headstone, she will be a super church, a super race. The bride will be mu so much like him, they will be in his image. I don't like this to just be words we roll off and do with things. I think these are steps we need to step into. I am not of this world. I am not of the systems of this world. I don't belong to this world. I belong to these scriptures. And I call them scriptures. Now he says, they will be the very manifestation of the word of the living God. They will be so much like him, they will be in his image. They will, this will be in order to be united with him. Denominations cannot produce this wrong seed. They produce all these things. Now, I, I read a lot already, but I, I want to read this. The first son, Adam, was a spoken seed word. He was given a bride to re produce himself. That's why the bride was given. But she fell by hybridization. The second son, Jesus, was also a spoken seed word of God, was given a bride like Adam. But before he could marry her, she had fallen. Like Adam's wife, she was put to the test whether she would believe the word. She doubted the word. She left the word. She died. Now, this last bride, this Eve, will not fall. This Eve, which I am a part of, which if you were born of the, the Word of God, you're a part of. And I say, this ought to be very paramount in your thinking. From this little group of the true seed, true seed of Word, God will present Christ with a beloved bride. Now, she is a virgin of His Word. She is a virgin because she knows no man-made creeds or dogmas. By and through the members of the bride will be fulfilled all that was promised of God to be manifest in the virgin. Now there's much I could read after this, but, but I, I want to now bring this back to Elijah just for a moment. Brother Brennan would say, Then there is a, an Elijah to whom the word of the Lord came. When he got through preaching the truth and that group back there 
That is the forerunner of the American Jezebel group that would not receive the word. God called him off the field and he plagued that generation for rejecting the prophet and the message that God had given him. God called him to a wilderness and he would not even come out for the king. Those who tried to persuade him did so they died. But God spoke to his faithful prophet by a vision. Now, this is a direct parallel to 1 Kings 17. They would not receive the word. I don't know if we can appreciate who has spoken to us in this last day. A prophet is not just somebody who's inspired. A prophet's on a far greater level than that. A prophet is somebody sent by God as a direct burden of the Lord. Brother Bannon would say, a prophet stays back there till he stomps into the hospital or wherever he's going. He's not an evangelist at all. Now, he's under an eagle anointing, just like an evangelist is. He doesn't hold meetings and discuss things. He's got the word of the Lord for whoever it's sent to. If he's sent to the White House, he stomps right up to the White House and he says, thus saith the Lord. If it's to the governor of the state, it's thus saith the Lord. He doesn't fool around with groups of churches. He doesn't try to come in and persuade them of the, or sorry, and take the word and preach these things like evangelists. He's not an evangelist. When Jesus came, and I would just say, if we can recognize it, this is the Son of Man in these last days again. When Jesus came, now let me just read this. I'm going to just jump ahead to Mark chapter 11. I, I may as well just read this because I, I trust you're with me. I'm laying some things in. Mark chapter 11. Jesus comes and he's on his road into Jerusalem. And this is actually where they uh, fulfill the prophecy of the cult um, coming. And he goes into the temple and uh, he, they bring the temple and, they, and they, there's a hosanna. And uh, as they're on this road, let's just read in verse 12. And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he may find anything therein. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Now, I've often thought this was a strange scripture. Maybe in its setting because I can understand him cursing the tree if it, wasn't, if it was the time of figs. But it wasn't even the time of figs. But what he was speaking was to a tree. And remember, there's a tree of life and there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, or the tree of civilization, or the tree of the natural way of life. 
And now he's speaking to this tree of the natural way of life. He's hungry, but he's now entering the new kingdom. He's about to have the Last Supper, where they're going to partake of the communion. And he was desiring this one last natural supper. But he was looking for a greater, a spiritual supper. And he's also looking to turn the people of God from the natural thinking to the spiritual thinking. So he speaks to this tree and he says, nobody eats of you hereafter forever. Now this same voice has come in this last day again. And it wasn't just Brother Branham, an inspired man who saw visions, he was a prophet. But I'll say this, this was the revealing of the Son of Man. This was a voice that was speaking that was on a greater level than any other prophet before him. This was the voice of God speaking to the earth again. And Brother Branham would come and through that voice God would speak and he would say, so many places. He would generally speak and he would say, this is God speaking to you. Just like Elijah, there'll be no more revivals. In other words, unless you receive this word, you will have no more revivals. Your life will dry up right in front of your eyes. You might go to church, you might do different things, but you'll have no more life in you. And I ask the question, have we seen that? We've seen it. I'll tell you what, you go, I mean, you go and, 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 and sit in a church at some point in time and listen to what the world is feeding on. I, I, I just came across an article the other day and Justin Bieber is announcing his church membership with a church group out of Australia, they're across the world, big church group, well-renowned, and many people are leaving. And yet it was the heartthrob of what caused, it, it actually shifted and caused the singing and some of the singing that came out of that caused young people to leave rock concerts and come to these gospel concerts. Now I'd say, what kind of a spirit is that? The way has dried up. There was no life in that church to begin with. And if you're relying on a church where Justin Bieber goes to, oh my goodness, help you. If he gets a hold of this tape, listen, I'll help him out a little if I can, but I, hey, anyway, I'm just telling you, like maybe we think this is commonplace, but we have to actually need to recognize that's the world around us. That's everything that we see around us. What have we got today that's keeping us? I need you to help me this morning a little bit. Brother Branham would, would, would go and say this, and this is in the message Jezebel Religion. We, pr- we played this tape on a Wednesday this last week. He said, Ahab was on the throne. You say, he's on the throne. Yeah, but Jezebel was the head behind that throne. She was the one that done the leading. Look at how the, you know, I just came across an article yesterday. The World Council of Churches came out and they condemned the attack on the White House and Capitol Hill that happened just a couple weeks ago. We cannot have this kind of thing happening. I'm going to ask a question. A friend of mine was just telling me the same thing. He says, where was that group 
condemning things when Black Lives Matter groups were coming across the nation and destroying property. Where was that voice then? I'll tell you what, that voice is aligning itself with the left against everything that is godly. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, you just look at all these gatherings that are happening. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you can't look at what you see. You got one place to look at. That's the revealed word of God. That's your source. That's your life. That's my life. Brother Brandon would say, she took the very laws of the land, twisted around for her own gain, and made Ahab do it because she was married to him. That's the way with our leader today, who was Kennedy at the time. I don't say he's not a nice man, but look what's behind him. The harlot, the very thing we run from, America, to be free. And then it's just like, even if you listen to the voice on the tape, my voice is going to be stopped pretty soon. Revelations 2.20. She calls herself a prophetess. You watch the wave of sin happen now. You watch core go plumb to core. You watch modernistic, watch ungodly things happen in the churches. And I ask the question, is it so? Is it so? And then he adds this, and finally, there'll come a persecution. When's that going to happen? Just like it did then, so it will now. She's the power behind it. She's the one who controlled it. Look what Jezebel did, how she took Ahab. He couldn't say nothing about it because it was his wife. Our nation, and I'm going to call it America and Canada the same, they're going into bed with a system that they can never recover from. She was a worshiper of Balaam. She made everything so modernistic. The people had it so easy. The whole church fell for it. Preacher fell for it. Elijah said, I'm the only one that's left. Look at them. Loose, haphazard, drunk, carrying on, pleasure mad, everything else. Jezebel twisting those scriptures or them laws as Jezebel will subdue the people. She says she's the only voice of God on earth. She'll make the carnal mind believe that as sure as the world. Now, I'm really, I'm really at the point where we were at here in the book of 1 Kings. And in 1 Kings, where we read, Elijah goes into the wilderness. And when he goes into the wilderness, and I would just say, as far as the world knows, William Branham was the one who founded the healing movement. But very little of the church world recognizes the message that came out of it and what the voice that was behind it. And to a large degree, the message movement has been branded a cult and, and has only come in the last few years into a little bit of predominance because of some of the negativity associated with some of the offsprings that, or let me call it the offshoots that come from it. Some of the negative publicity. 
So really, we're branded, we're, we're quiet. But, but Brother Branham would, would go on and say, Elijah was up there, and if I could say it, that's really the place we've been. He was an old crank, he was old-fashioned, but he was God's pastor to the nation in them days. I, I, I really, I need to share my heart here a little bit. Friends, we've lived, and, and I'm going to take this back to Wednesday when I spoke on leaving Babylon. Have we lived so long in Babylon around us that we ourselves become soft? Can, can we, can a, can a man of God preach hard and, and preach echoing the voice that, that already came to this generation without risking offending people? Call out makeup, call out dress, call out men who are feeding on the wrong things. I, I, I'll say a part of my fabric of growing up was I, I'd listen to a tape in the quiet of my room. I'd lock the door and I'd listen to the room. Often I'd lay on the floor listening to that voice and I felt it literally chastening me and scrubbing me. And I'd come to church and, and, and Brother Harold would echo that. And, and, and the sometimes things came across hard. And the natural man would get offended. But I'd go back on my knees and say, Lord, that was you speaking to me. I, I want to just say, that should still exist. Don't get so cultured. Don't, let's not get so lukewarm. We can't have that. Well, you know, we've, we've elevated to another level in the message where we don't need that scrubbing. Really? I say we need it more than ever. Be washed by the water of the word. The world. I'll tell you what, that's your life stream. He says, he stood up there. He was getting a good old spiritual drink anytime he wanted to. Yeah, you can get scrubbed, but I'll tell you what, there is vitamins in this water. Now he says, but the water dried up down there in the land. I think that's the trouble. The waters have dried up in our lands, the Christian land. A long time ago, we used to have old-fashioned meetings where people would cry and walk up in the aisle, lay on your face all night and pray, and bring your children to the kingdom of God. But today, they got babysitters. I, I, I'll say this. If you're on the front line, battling for God, whether you're in this church or you're at your home, you ought to be doing everything you can to support the program of God. Don't be sitting on a couch on an easy chair and just say, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'll just lay low. No, I, I just say, wherever you are, be engaged, be praying, do everything you can to support this water, this message of God. If you're just sitting there with your feet up, shame on you. I say it because we're pressing in like never before. Sorry if I'm venting a little bit, but it's, it's exactly what I'm reading here. 
People would lay on their face all day and night to bring their children to God. And he says, you know what's the matter? Your water line's been cut off. You're in a desert. That's the reason you fusses. I'll say this. If you're spending a lot of time fussing and arguing over things, you're not at the heart of the water flow. Take any kind of plant, put it in the desert where there's no water, get stickers in it. It gets soft. Why? Because it's gone dry. I belong to this, I belong to that. You don't have the things you used to have ago. The miracles and things are not in the church. The feeling, the fellowship is not in the church like it used to be. I, I, I thank God that we have some of that. I feel like I want more. I feel like I want it for everybody. I believe there's people who really desire that and want that. And, and I, I trust you're one of them. And I'm not condemning you for that. But be honest with yourself. If there's a part of your flesh that rises up and wants the easy way, it does that in my flesh too. And I say this, God has to allow things to happen. God has to allow things to happen to push us. It happened to Brother Branham. And he would actually bemoan himself. He says, oh God, you've always had to push me into everything. The struggles that he went through, the situations, it drove him to his knees. It drove the roots down to the source of the water, and it pulled him into the presence of God. Persecution has never hurt the church. And I say this, I'm watching, and I'm seeing that our reliance on the things that we've been accustomed to in the way of life it's drying up. We're not going to be able to have the same privileges we used to. And I'm going to say, you, if you're depending on that, if you're depending on the restrictions to be lifted, I say this, you're, you're waiting for an outside source when the source is happening right here. The source starts from here. God's not moving in that realm out there the same way anymore. Those waters are dried up. That's not there anymore. But there's a source of life that's in the pride. And you need to start praying and believing out of my life, out of my voice, are the things that are going to change and make the difference. Don't wait for something out there. It's got to happen in here. We spend all our time and say, change this, change that, change this. I think we need to start speaking it. I'm going to change it. Well, I don't feel very spiritual today. I'm going to wait till I get that super anointing. I think you need to recognize and say, the very thing I'm feeding, in, feeding on, the very steps I'm walking in, whether I feel it or not, the eternal God that made himself known to me, he's walking with me. He's in me. He hears my prayers. My prayers are making a difference. My prayers are going to save my children. My prayers are going to save my husband. Are going to save my wife. My prayers are going to stop whatever the government's doing until the last one comes in. That's the source. It's not out there. 
Whatever our need is today. God bless the doctors. God bless the, the ones who give medicine. But I'll say, we won't be able to depend on that always. Thank God for the CERB checks, if you got one and you were laid off. Thank God for the assistance that's offered. But I'm going to tell you, don't get dependent on it. And I'm going to just say it this way. In fact, get, less for le- get ready for less. And as there's less out there, Lord, raise up more in here. Raise up this source. I don't say the needs are going to be met within this body that's holding the life of God more and often. If you can't meet them in a supernatural way or God can't meet them, I'll, I'll just say this. God will put it on the heart of a brother to pray or a sister to pray or someone to do something or give something because that's the mystical body of Christ that is in operation today. And whatsoever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's not out there anymore. It shouldn't enter our thinking that we're going to You know, I'm waiting for somebody to come in and ride and and, and save us from all of these things. I'm waiting for a new political leader. I'll tell you what, the world is waiting for that, and they're going to get their Messiah, and he's going to come out of Rome, and he's going to bring the whole world into something. But the people that know their God, they will do exploits. The people that walk with God, that have proven him, that have tried him, those people will walk on with God as their final defense. Oh, I've got the life of God in me. Yes, I do. It's greater than any circumstance. Now, Thank you, Brother Glenn. Let's go over the quickly Deuteronomy 11. Rivers, springs are a source of water. Euphrates is a source of life. The water was sacred. Babylon was founded on two great rivers, Euphrates and the Tigris. And it was known as the land between two rivers. Civilizations were built on these rivers. God allowed those civilizations to flourish for a period of time. It was even the head of gold in Daniel's vision. But God was trying to always turn the people to a greater source. So let's just look at Deuteronomy 11. I've read this scripture so often, but it means so much to me. And I so appreciate that that it is what it is. Deuteronomy 11, just drop down to verse 9. And then this is as, as, Mo, as Mose, Moses in, in the time period, just the 30 days before they cross into the new land, he says, that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord 
Swear unto your fathers to give them to their seed a land that flows with milk and honey. For the land where you go in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence cometh out, where you sow your seed and water it with foot and a garden of herbs. So in other words, when you're in Egypt, everything that you derived your strength from or that civilization, Egypt had a system of, of, of was a flat land and the Nile was great. I've, I've been to the source of the Nile. I was there last year with Brother Stephen Abali. It was just right out of the Lake Victoria, there's some springs that are bubbling up. That becomes the River Nile. And that, that, that flows. It's one of the longest flowing rivers in the world. But, but civilization had grown accustomed to the strength derived from this river. And so this was the land that Israel came out of. And they remembered how, you know, we'd have to work. We'd have to use our effort. We would dig and we would make things happen and we would do these things. But God's telling them, now don't get accustomed to that mindset. It's not a man anointing anymore. It's not what you can do. It's not what you can derive. But your strength and your source is God Almighty. So he's telling them, it's not like that kind of land. Verse 11. But the land where you go to possess it, it is a land of hills and valleys. And it drinks the water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord your God cares for, for the eyes of the Lord God are always on it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And if you actually follow this through, it's all entitled on obedience. It was a spiritual thing. Verse, and he says, if you love the Lord God with your heart, you give your heart, I will give you the latter rain and the former rain. Verse 14, I will give you the rain of your land in his due season and the first rain and the latter rain that you may gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Now, if, if you remember in the crossing over from Moses, they still had the manna. They still had to go out and gather the manna. They still had to do it. But as they crossed into the land, the new land of their inheritance, the manna ceased. The manna did not go any longer. But now they had to gather in the old corn of the land. Now it was a new way of living. Friends, we are not depending on an organization to sustain us. We are not depending on what headquarters says. We are not depending on the old hierarchy, the old way. We're depending on the living God. This is the mandate. We're under the order of Melchizedek which our father Abraham was. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that you may eat and be full. He warns them in verse 16. Take heed that you don't be, see, be deceived and turn aside and serve other gods. And God's wrath will be kindled against you. He'll shut up the heavens. It will dry up. That's exactly what's happening in the world. It's dried up. Verse 23. Then... If you diligently follow, then the Lord will drive all these nations from before you. You'll possess greater nations and mightier than yourself. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. No man shall be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall be the... For the for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon as I saith unto you. So that's a promise. I, I, I have 
things I would, would probably bring up, but I'm going to, I want to, okay, quickly, Lamentations chapter 2. Lamentations chapter 2. Are you still here with me? This is Jeremiah. He's lamenting everything that's happened. And he uses this terminology in his phrase, verse 7. And, and he says, talking about Israel as a nation, he's brought them to captivity. The Lord has cast off his altar. He's abhorred his sanctuary. And in verse 8, I, I'm not going to jump quickly. The Lord has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a little. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he has made the rampart and the wall to lament. Verse 9, her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed her and uh, destroyed and broken her bars. Her kings and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. The prophets find no more vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground. They have their silence. The virgins, in the last part of the verse, the virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. So he's, he's lamenting all of these things. And then he says, verse 13, What shall I take unto thee, witness to you? What shall I liken thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I equal thee, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For thy breach is great like the sea, and who can heal thee? Now, all Scripture has twofold purpose. And in this, the prophet Jeremiah, he's talking about the virgin daughter of Jerusalem, which would really refer to Israel. But then, or, he, or the daughter of Jerusalem, but then he speaks of the virgin daughter of Zion, speaking of a Gentile bride. And if you, if you look, God has always had a bride in his mind. Now, I, I, you can follow this through if you just back up quickly. Sec, uh, Jeremiah 50. I, I, I'm just dropping this in. Jeremiah 50, and this would be in verse 17. And, and he would just speak here, and he says, Israel is scattered like sheep uh, that have, uh, the lions have driven away. The king of Assyria has destroyed him. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Now, that's Israel's state. That was because of their disobedience. But God was going to channel it into something else. And he says, therefore, I will punish the king of Babylon in this land as I have punished the king of Assyria. And, and he says then, and, and he goes on to talk in verse 19, but down in verse 22, a sound of battle is in the land and of great destruction. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut and how Babylon has become a desolation among the nations. You can also read this in 2 Kings 19. But again, the prophet refers to this, and he talks about the virgin daughter of Zion. Now, I want to just say this. The bride has been known to God. The bride is, is God's uh, predestinated before there ever, ever was a speck of stardust. Brother Brandon would talk. The bride was in his mind. Just put up this verse of Scripture, Solomon chapter 4, verse 12. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. So she is a well of life. There is something within the bride that is to bring forth life. There is something within her. There are fountains within her that need to be tapped to bring forth life. 
And that's the way God views his people. That's the way God sees his people. And, and so Brother Manon would say further and pick up your pen and write. And he talks about this bride, this, this, this church group. And, and he talks about how beautiful she is. And, and, and he talks about how she will bring forth. I, I, I'm not going to read all this. I just looked at how much it is here. He says, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna skip it because I'm gonna run out of time. But he says, she will bring forth. The bride will bring forth. She will reproduce the life of Christ again. Now, so if God is looking at a bride this way, and he's looking at her from beginning, from, from the beginning of the foundation of the world, from before ever, he says, the choosing of the bride was purposed in himself. She was a bride of his own choosing, that purpose in himself. Now watch this. Before there ever was a speck of stardust, before God was God, the bride was already in his mind. She was existing in his thoughts. Now, it was that she would reproduce his life. Now, when God called Abraham, and, and Abraham was the beginning of the covenant. We read this in Genesis 11 on Wednesday. But he called Abraham, and the Bible was very explicit, and Sarah was his wife, and she was barren, and she could not have children. But yet God spoke to Abraham and said, come out of there, I will make you a nation. Now, don't you think God should have checked to make sure Sarah was fertile first? Don't you think he should have just checked, could this woman bring forth even? No. The same God that looked out of earth that was dark and without form and without void and said, out of there, let there be light. Let there be a, a reproduction of everything I had in my mind. That was the same way he looked at Sarah. It's the same way he looks at you and I. He wasn't looking at me. He wasn't looking at you, but he was looking at his promise. So within the bride, when he called her, there was something within her. Now, there was a promise that was to be fulfilled in her. Now go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And Abraham had walked for many years. He was going through, and if you, if you know the promise, and he keeps telling Abraham, you know, you're going to have a child. The child's going to be by Sarah. You're going to have an offspring. You're going to be a mighty nation. And, you know, along the way, naturally, they tried to reproduce it. They couldn't do it through Sarah, so they did it through Hagar. And when they did it, when, when Abraham listened to the woman, listened to the church, it produced nothing of what the promise was required, but it was a hybrid. It was a mongolization. And so now God finally comes, and he looks at Abraham, and he's 99 years old. He's been serving for 24 years He's no closer naturally to the promise than ever before. In fact, he's made a mess of things. And if you go in chapter 17, he says, and Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now you take the phrase there, almighty God, that means El Shaddai. That means the breasted one, the strong one, or in the sense, as, as is declared, the nourisher, the strength giver, the satisfier, 
The one who pours himself into believing lives. Now, the stream of life was dried up in Sarah. The stream of life was dried up in Abraham. They, they could, there was no ability to reproduce. Friends, God has a stream of life. It exists in this message. It's not us, but it's the life within us. And I'm going to say, this message will not denominate. I'm only playing a part in it. And if I should pass my time and uh, where, where God could use me, or, and that this life will go on. There's young men, there's young women that are catching this, and that life is working out through them also. Now, he tells this to Abraham, and, and God was it. You know, he's, he's rec recognizing there's a stream of life. There, you know, Abraham, and he's saying, and God full well knew that Abraham had no means within himself. But God wasn't looking at that. So if you actually follow it through into Genesis 17, Ishmael grows up, he's third, he, he comes to a certain point. But now Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. And here comes, here comes God speaking again to Abraham. And he says, and the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door on the heat of the day, and these three men come out. Now, God knew exactly where Abraham was at. He knew that Ishmael was 13, which is the number of a woman. He knew all of that was happening exactly in time, and there was a natural cycle. So now drop down to verse 9. And God says the first words, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. I will return unto thee according to the time of life. Now, I, I'm going beyond the outward to the inward. But in the inward, a woman who is a well of life, a spring of life, has a monthly cycle of 28 days. That 28 days, there's a certain number of days that are fertile. There's a cycle that continues and comes. Brother Brandon would make statements. He says, that dried up in Sarah as a young woman about 30, 35 years old. She could no longer do that anymore. The natural cycle. But here comes God and he says, the natural cycle of life will return to you again and you will bring forth the promised seed not because it's in you but because you believe the word. You've walked with me and it's going to change the very atoms in your body. Faith seed overrides everything. And he says that 28-day cycle was going to return to her. Now, Brother Brandon would say this. I'm going to visit you according to the promise. That's 28 days. And he says, but Sarah laughed. But he said, he's Elohim. He's the creator. He is the word. He says, now, think about the foolishness of taking God's word. He said, I watch the first 28 days pass. And he says, Abraham had lived with this a woman. And he says they couldn't have children even before they got old. And Abraham, he says, how do you feel, Sarah? Any different? Not a bit. He says, glory to God. We're going to have it anyhow. Get the booties ready. And he says, and, and all the things. How do you know you're going to have it the second month? Uh, sorry, because God said so. The second month passed by. No, nothing happened. He says, and Brother Bannon makes this statement. He says, what's the matter with us? 
It's our minds. If we open our minds, I don't know whether it could be. I, 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 just, I wish I could convey this the way it was been on my heart this week. The things that we lean on and we depend on. Well, you know, I, 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 in my natural mind, I've imagined how the rapture would be. You know, we'll have a glorious meeting. We'll all be in a, in, in a, in a meeting. It'll be a convention. All the speakers will be here, and the rapture will happen. That, that's one scenario. Another scenario is I'll be just feeling really good. I'll be doing this and this. But I'll tell you, what about the events preceding the rapture? What are we going to have to be looking at? Can we actually believe that these mortal bodies can be changed? Can we actually believe beyond the natural things of life? Are we going to be listening to what the news says about the latest COVID reports? Or are we going to be listening to what God says about what's going to happen? Are we actually going to be walking with God in such a way that we can't see those things or hear those things anymore. That we don't look at our natural bodies anymore. That we look at what the promise says. And he says, do you feel any different? No, he says, not one thing. Now, let me go back briefly. I'm, I'm, really, I'm closing now in my thoughts. First, 1 Kings chapter 7. I, I could read this, but if, if you follow through in chapter 18, the Bible even says, Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in age. It ceased to be with after Sarah. And God tells them again, I will return at the time appointed, and according to the time of life, Sarah will have a son. The next thing that happens is the destruction of Sodom. Okay? So, so just, just follow this through. Now, 1 Kings chapter 17. Quickly go back there. In verse 7, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, there had been no rain in the land. So now, the very thing that Elijah had prophesied, it affected even Elijah. The water source that he had that was there naturally by the dew, he didn't have that anymore. He didn't even have the ravens to dry. None of that came. And, and he's dry. It's all dried up. Friends, we've lived under this present system, but I'm telling you, it's drying up. We're not going to have the protections that we used to have. But that does not make God any less God. That just means we need to look to Him more. And so God speaks to Elijah in verse 8, and He says, And the word of the Lord came to him and says, Go to Zarephath, to Zidon, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. Now, this woman do nothing about it. First of all, she's a woman. She can't have any more life. She's got two sons. Her husband has died. But it signifies her old husband is dead. She has nothing else to sustain her. She has nothing but the word of the Lord. She also has leaned on the old way of life, and it has dried up. She has no more recourse. She's down to her last morsel of bread. She's down to her last cruise of oil. And it's at this scene... God brings a hungry prophet and a woman who's about to die together. And the world knows nothing about it. 
And it's at this scene, while the world is languishing in COVID, while there's a people who are starting to get affected, while they have nothing but the prophet's message, while they have nothing but the prophet's word, and there's no more place for the prophet's word. It's not in the churches. It's not in the businessmen. Even in some places, it's not there. But this woman, she says, I'll take that word in my household. I'll keep it within me. I'll feed on it. I'll take it. And as she feeds on it, as she receives it, as she believes it, it becomes a source of life to her. And he says he went to Zarephath. There's this woman gathering sticks. And he says, he doesn't know anything about her, sis, sis, her, her, her situation. Fetch me a little water that I may drink. And he says, bring me a morsel of bread. And he said, as the Lord God liveth, she says, I have not a cake. I have just a handful of meal. And Elijah said, fear not. Now, Elijah didn't come and say, that's all you got? Lord, why'd you send me here? No, Elijah just believed the word. He just went and said, Lord, you sent me. You took care of me at that brook. You started this work. You're taking care of me now. By this woman, your word will live. By this woman, your life stream will carry on. Not naturally anymore, but spiritually. And she comes and she says, and Elijah says, go make me a cake. And then he, she just does it. And then out of him comes an utterance he couldn't stop. And he says, the barrel of meal shall not waste. The crew shall not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And even though the world's about to go into a tribulation, even though there's about to be a persecution, I'm going to tell you, this word will not fail. The God that we serve will not fail. Until the day that we're in the marriage supper and we're back in the world at the millennium again, this word will sustain us. This word is there in type. Now, Brother Adam would, would say this. I am closing. I just didn't tell you when. Uh, when I'm starting to really, really close. Just to stay with me. Now, Elijah goes and does this. But now, the life that is in that land is in this widow woman. A type of the church. A type of those that never bowed their knee to Balaam. A type of those that received the message of the hour. And under that message of the hour, there was protection. She was sustained daily. She was given food. It was for her son. But still, something begins to affect her. And her son dies. The one that this life was given to her dies. And she has a right to go back to Elijah and says, because of what's happened, look at what's happened to my son. Now she's under a protection. The life stream that we are under is your protection. Not the government, not the COVID restrictions, not the government handouts, not your own doing, but the Almighty God is your protection. What happened to Sarah? She was under a life stream that was to come in her. 
Somewhere in that next year, something happened. 28 days went by, maybe another 28 days. Sodom had manifested itself. And there was a hunger, a famine in the land. And what did Abraham do? He went out of his position back to Egypt again. Back to Gerir. But there's a difference this time. There's a life stream that's been activated inside of Sarah. And as it's activated, they're journeying on. Maybe she's younger, but her very atoms are changing. It wasn't so much the outward. That's what the king saw in Sarah. That's what he desired in Sarah was the outward. But the inward held the life stream that God had promised to Abraham. And when she held that life stream, even when the king desired her, even when Abraham lied, it was God that was watching over the life stream. Oh, friends, if we could see what God has in us. We are those vessels. We are that virgin bride. We are holding the very life stream that is your protection. Brother Adam would talk often, and I'm not going to get into this fully, but he would talk about how when Adam, when God came, when Adam came to his bride, she was pregnated already. And he says that's the negative side. He says when, when Joseph came to his bride, she was pregnated, but not by a foreign seed, by the seed of God. It was God that was in her. And Brother Branham says, when this bride comes, she will also be virgin, but she will be pregnated by the Word of God. Amen. You know, when a woman receives seed, that 28-day cycle stops, and her body becomes subject to the life that's in her. And she doesn't go through what's her own desires anymore, but the life that's being born comes out in her appetite. It comes and it begins to govern her. Friends, when we receive the seed word of God, this life dominates you. This life becomes his life. Listen, let the musicians come. I am closing now. So Brother Bannon would speak this, and he'll speak this. You go back to the message, the original life. The spoken word is the original seed. He, he, he speaks the word pregnated oft in that message. Then he comes to Christ, the mystery of God revealed, and he again speaks. Now it's not just virgin, but virgin as impregnated by her only husband. No other husband. So now, what is it? The bride is pregnated by his spirit. The church bearing the children. How do you know you're a church member? Because Christ is living in you. You're pregnated with his spirit. And then he utters these words. You can't commit adultery. You're already pregnated. The womb of life is closed to everything else. You are his by predestination. Oh, the seed has come to life. No world can get in. How I could stay on this for an hour. I'll tell you what, the life that I'm living now, it's not my life. The, 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 this world didn't give it to me. It didn't give me this life. God gave it to me. The devil didn't give it to me, but God gave it to me, and this seed of life will bring forth. Come, stand together. I kept you just a couple minutes past. Friends, I, I, I just trust you can see, there is nothing in the world out there. It is dried up.
There is nothing. And I would just say, the things we've learned to depend on. There would really be another part to this New Year's message. But go to Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25 and read to the end. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. Take no thought. Live day by day. How is this going to happen? I don't know. But this life that's in me, God's going to see it through. The God that saw Mary, who was a virgin, and that is, is the God that's watching over me now. What's going to happen with, the, with this, this, with the government? What's going to happen with the World Council of Churches? I don't know. But all I know is what's in here Amen. is greater than all of that out Hallelujah. there. And I say this, depend on it more and more. Yes, sir. Take no thought for tomorrow. Amen. Don't look at those things where moth and rust does corrupt. Look more and more to God. Look at the unseen. I wish I could have speak it like God gave it to me. Brother Harold, you came into the office to pray with us. Play something softly, sister. And as he's praying, I thought of Brother Harold. Maybe the natural stream of life has left. It's not there the same way anymore. But I watch his heart. A little something still comes up. I think of Caleb in the Bible. He was 85 years old. He'd seen a lot of things, but he stayed true to Joshua. And when the hour came and he stood there, he didn't look at his body, he didn't look at his age. He said, I'm as strong as the day that God gave me this promise. Give me my mountain. Brother Harold, your faith is going to change your body. Everyone that's older, that's come, you, you, you think, well, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to be either. But I say this, the faith that I have, the spiritual life stream that I am under is actually going to change my natural life stream. I saw my mom yesterday, and I watched her. She's old and needs a cane and has to get around. But she says, I'm ready to go. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to keep praying for people. We're still here for a purpose. We're serving God's purpose. Young person, you're serving God's purpose. You might think, oh, I'm just 18 or 20 my whole life. I'll tell you what. The natural life that you've got, don't even look at that. But you look at the spiritual life. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this job. I'm going to have that job. Any job you have, make it subject to the greater will of God. You're not here to become a great, as Brother Anson, a heartthrob for the ladies. or You're not here to become just some great, you know, corporate giant. Everything we have is wrapped up in Him. I'm in business, but I'm not in business like the world is. It exists to serve God's purpose. I'm not here to serve Babylon, its fineries, its delicacies. I'm here to live, but there's a greater life stream. The life stream of Babylon is dried up. There's a rock coming from out of the mountain. There's a life of God that's here. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. 
This life that I have, the world didn't give it to me. But God gave it to me. He gave it to you. My brother, sister, I wish I could have expressed it in a better way, but may God make his word real. May it quicken you when you see things rise up. How is this going to happen? I don't know how. I, I don't know. God sent me here. I don't understand it. But the same God that allowed meal to continue to rise up day by day, that allowed oil to continue to rise up, he's the same one that's sustaining me today. May God bless every one of you in your homes. That promise is to your home. Read the story about the Shunammite woman. Read the story about the widow woman that had a husband who was under Elijah and had two sons and had a debt that couldn't be paid. That God met that Shunammite. That God met that woman. That God was their sustainer. That God is our sustainer. I denominations, I've died to that. I've died to this system. I am depending on him. And that woman gathered in her home. And then Elijah said, close the doors, you and your sons. It's not a public show. The world won't see it. But you're being fed. You're being sustained. We're, we're, we're in that time again. Do you see that? Amen. Well, let's just sing. Wish I could. Well, let's just sing. Let's sing this song first. There is a fountain open in the house of David. There is a fountain open in the house of David to you who would believe. And there are streams of grace that We'll sing that one after, Brother Ray. Let's sing this one. There is a... Okay. The other, what's the other one you had up, Brother Dan? 
I'd ask for a show of hands, I mean, every hand would go up. And we look for the answer. We look, Lord, would it come from there? Will it be there? How will it be? The faith of Abraham. We're going to have it anyhow. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I'll tell you what, 
I'm connected to the source. I'm connected to Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Shalom. I'm connected to Him. I would say this, look away to Jesus. Brother Brandon would preach the message. I know we look at the world, we can't help but be affected. Elijah was affected when the brook dried up. But God continued the source in a hidden way. The channels we may have gone to might be drying up, but that does not take away from the source that is available to us right now. And I want to encourage you this morning. Keep looking to that source. Keep pressing to that. If I can say, let your ears and eyes become more dull to the world. Brother Andrew Malcolm is in a hospital today. We pray the doctor would do something, would find the channel. There's others that are afflicted here. We're believing that God is going to find, give the answer. There are people that are standing here for needs of lost loved ones. There are people that may have financial needs. There are people that have questions. But I'm going to say there is a source. It's available to us. Stay in the fountain. Once you're pregnated with this word, nothing else can get in. What was beyond in that Babylonian system has crept into the church. It's crept into the civilization. It's crept into the hearts and the minds of people. It's drying up. But there's a place of life. I don't know how it'll happen, but I believe it'll happen. Let's just sing this. Let's sing the other one we sang. The battle is the Lord's. And I'm going to have a word of prayer. There is a source in times of need that gives me hope, that brings me stand in my defense.